to episode 122 of the Bad Taste Video Podcast. I am Mike. I am here with Grizz, who is getting hit with some pretty nasty weather at the moment, right? And I'm being attacked by aliens, apparently. Oh, yeah. You have red flashing Uh, lights in the sky. Dude, I don't know what the fuck I just saw. Jesus. Bastard-ass winds blowing my house over. Dude, there's garbage everywhere. Like, it's all in every yeah. street, just bags of garbage. My recycling <laughs> bin blew over earlier. I had to go, like, chasing fucking milk cartons down my road. I saw videos on Twitter of, like, the uh, like downtown New York City and the winds. It's crazy. It's like 60-mile-an-hour winds, which I know is not that crazy. We do get hurricanes here, but just, like... It looked like some fucking bad time. That's yeah, for sure. I'd hate to be walking lot, home. You go outside in some sixty mile per hour wind, and your ass is almost going with the wind at sixty miles per hour. So, if you think about it, once it gets to like thirty miles an hour, that's when you start seeing shit like eh, that branch looks a little iffy, or uh, you know, my my screen door is about to blow off. <laughs> Yeah, as a, as a new homeowner uh, over the past year and stuff, that's like a huge concern now. I'm like, Jesus, dude, home insurance is such a big deal. Not even like for my own house. I just don't want like a tree in my backyard to like take out my neighbor's garage or some shit. And now I'm on the line for it. Yeah, it's like a super windy, rainy day. And you're like, please don't start leaking from the roof. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you go out, call you your landlord. Up. I don't have that yeah. option anymore. Yeah, yeah, you hope your uh, your house doesn't look like the cabin from Evil Dead right after <laughs> the shingles falling off and shit. Mine oh, kind of does look like that cabin right now. It's just like a, a seafoam green version of that thing, dude. It's so bad. Yeah. I look the just ugliest get, like, house on the block. Just get like fake logs and put them around. Try oh, to yeah. see if you can get some like fiberglass logs. I like should just a, make it look like a dilapidated cabin and just like that is a Halloween attraction 24-7 all year long. That would be pretty cool. Imagine having a house that looks like just complete dog shit on the outside, but when you go in, it's awesome. Legit. Yeah. Super I nice. Like that. Yeah, that would be great. People might leave you alone, yeah. or people might try to, to kill you because they think you're, uh, you know, <laughs> you're alone. I was nobody just going to say, it'd probably be like a great deterrent for thieves, but then I was thinking about that also. I'm like, well, when I was a, a, a punk ass teenager, the one thing I always liked to do was go into dilapidated buildings. So I would probably yeah, get a lot yeah. of that. It's like, oh, look at that house over there. It's probably haunted or there's a monster in there. The person's weird. It's like, oh, man, now people are trying to look in my fucking windows, right? <laughs> look, you got to it up. It's like, yeah, just leave me the fuck alone. God damn. <laughs> All right. So, Grizz, why don't you uh, why don't you hit that button, baby? All right. So we're jumping in the bad taste time machine. We're dialing it back. The year is... 1989, I was a little fucking three-year-old grizzly. Mike, set the scene. You know, I uh, I was, let's see, if we're doing March 1989, I was only like a year and a half, maybe, right? Right behind. <laughs> so, yeah, something like that. Uh, I was very small when this originally <laughs> came out here, uh, but let's see. March of 1989. Did you know? See, now here's something that a lot of people don't know because we always talk about wrestling here, right? Did you know that 
the in March of 1989, they were still the NWA, pretty much. Yeah, it really wasn't uh, WCW yet. That was yet to be a. I mean, it was probably in like the works and the thought process at that point in time, but it was still the National Wrestling Association. Yeah, well, uh, the Alliance, baby. Oh, Alliance. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jim Crockett Promotions was still a thing at that time. Ricky Steamboat was uh, the champion, and eventually Ric Flair would take it from him. Uh, very interesting time in wrestling, the late 80s. Really starting to go the corporate route, right? It was no longer that like backwoods country, Dallas Sportatorium, you know, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, all that shit. All oh, the flare videos was... from that time period, dude, are some of the best shit you, can, you could possibly watch. His promos were amazing. You know what's weird? Like Ric Flair, he looked young, he looked old. Then he looked young again. <laughs> then he looked old again. Then he looked old for a while. He came back for a second, looked kind of young. And then he came back and he looked like a fucking mummy. Oh, like, like he was a fucking walking. total mummy now. But then you have yeah. like Arn, who's looked like the same old ass person his entire life. So it's <laughs> like, which, which one do you're going to take, I guess? Arn Anderson has looked like a bulldog since 1982. He's like, looked 50 he's looked... when he was 13, and he looks 50 now. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, same hairline and everything, right? <laughs> Maybe his glasses got a little thicker, but they're pretty much the same glasses that he's wearing in all those old photos. So funny, man. I thought what it was too dude, it's crazy, too, because I, I recently watched that uh, the Chi-Town Rumble. That's where, like, uh, he actually loses. Ric Flair loses the belt to, to Steamboat. And that match was so, so, dude. But, dude, our boys, the Road Warriors on that, that was such a great match that they had on that, uh, what was it, pay-per-view? Another funny thing about March of 1989, you ever see the movie Born on the Fourth of July? No, I've never even heard of it. No? No, it's about, like, fucking, like, war vets coming back and all that shit. They're all fucked up. It's one of those types of movies, like Vietnam... There's like some World War II vets and Korean War vets in it. It's it's a it's a pretty crazy movie, but it's pretty funny how like maybe like a, a week later or so you get this week's movie and it's quite uh, uh man, it's it's quite on the opposite side of the spectrum. It looks much older, even though it's you know, it obviously came out the same time. But uh this week's movie is uh, the Men Behind the Sun. Now, there's a lot of names for this one because it was released in, you know, a couple different markets. There's a couple cool ones like uh, Black Sun I 731. That. Yeah, I Dude, love that's that awesome. One. Is that a band? That's got to be a band somewhere. But uh, the actual name, though, is supposed to be Man Behind the Sun. So it's, I, I don't know why it got changed, but that was the original, uh, you know, according to the guy Mav's wife. Yeah, she like spoke English and I guess she thought that it like represented the whole like humanity being shitty compared to just a single person. It was supposed to just be like, oh, all people are shitty. So I like that. I yeah. can really relate. Yeah, to that. that's, this shit is wild. It was directed by Tunfei Mao, and you know, if I don't, if I didn't say that right, I'm sorry. I'm, dude, I'm just saying Italian I'm really names. I'm just gonna say you nailed that shit, dude. 
Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm trying, but you may know him from such things as 1995's Trilogy of Lust. And I believe he also did the fourth Men Behind the Sun movie. Yeah, he did. I know he did one of the, the sequels. I, yeah, it was the fourth one. Black Sun, The Nanking Massacre. <laughs> uh, that was from 1995. So the one thing about this quote unquote franchise, which there are four of them, is that they at least are like in chronological order. You know what I mean? So part one came out first, then two, three, four, where like the Italian franchises, it's like, oh, part six actually came out in 1983, <laughs> but part four came out, you know, in 1988. All oh, those naming and were just loose and wild with the fucking Italian franchises, man. Yeah, this franchise has released a decent amount of films in a pretty short amount of time. And I like right? that they're because all they like they go like you just said they're sequential as how they came out, but they're also sequential in how they follow a story, and the story is continuing throughout all of them in how they actually happened in history, which I think is just always super cool. I'm a history buff, that that sells me every time. So the sequel to this movie was Laboratory of the Devil. Right, Unit 731, Laboratory of the Devil, whatever the hell you want to call it. That was released in 1992. Now, that one I have, that one I've watched, very similar to this one, pretty much, you know, on par with it. I've never seen the third or fourth one, but maybe I should watch it after, uh, you know, just just so I could uh, report back on how they are. But after seeing these, uh, the, the first two I have to watch the entire series because the third one sounds like such a great premise where they're all this whole like Japanese unit is stuck on a train ride from hell, basically escaping China. And I just love that idea of all being in like seclusion and having this whole crazy story happen on a train. So it, especially the way these look and feel, I think that the whole series is probably an amazing watch. That's pretty crazy. That's a pretty cool premise for a movie. Is it supposed to be like the people from Unit 731? Yeah, like, cause, uh, well, I don't want to do too many spoilers away. Yeah, we just got into the movie, but at the end, they're, you know, they're leaving China on this train to get back to Japan. And I guess all hell breaks loose because of the diseases and everything that's on this train. Oh, shit. And, yeah, I, I, and it's all true. I love that. I love that the, everything you were about to talk about is all true. It's all based on hey, reality. Was that released on tape? I was looking for it today, and I could not find a single copy of it on tape. It has to maybe. be because that time period in the 90s. Yeah, maybe there's another name for it. The, I'm sure there's a million names, just like there is for this one. I have to keep digging. Or, yeah, that's we got to figure that one out because I'm I'm really interested in that. And I, Any clue about part four? How um, like available that is? So yeah, it's the same thing. I couldn't find any like I, I found dvds of it so i know that you can get it on film if you wanted to watch it and stuff like that but i can't say that i've seen it on tape um and that's all about you know uh a, a massacre in nanking that was planned Three hundred thousand helpless people just fucking murdered man so if, if you've seen this movie and you like the way this feels you can only imagine how that's gonna feel yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to check my uh japanese sources oh sometimes Sometimes this stuff is released over there. So. You guys didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this was made on a budget of apparently $200,000. Now, 
not wild. bad. Yeah, wild. Yeah, not bad. This looks crazy, and apparently, they saved all that money by using real cadavers. That will Jesus help. Christ. So there wasn't much of a special effects, uh, I guess, industry in China at the time. So they figured the only way they can do it is do it for real. So they used real cadavers for, you know, certain scenes like the arms, the frozen arms are real cadaver arms. Yeah. Um, you know, the autopsy is a, is a real autopsy. All sorts of things like that. And that's fucking crazy to me. Yeah. Okay. So this would be considered an exploitation film. And, you know, in true fashion, there's always got to be this mystique, this this thing about them. You know, you talk about Cannibal Holocaust, which we've done in our archives. You can go back and check out. It's, you know, the animal cruelty. It's the people disappearing for the, the, the time period when everyone thought they were actually killed. There's always this like little bit of thing that makes it memorable. And I think that what you just said is that little bit of mystique that this film has that I think sets it apart from anything else I've watched. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with this movie, you know how people are outraged over Cannibal Holocaust? This is like times a thousand. Yeah. Oh, dude, you, you, for sure. This this movie has animal cruelty. If you really want to get down to it, it has uh, they're exploiting uh, uh, the death of a child, basically. Man, I don't I don't even want to fucking. <laughs> That's rough. Uh, I'm just saying, like, like, like you were saying, though, like there's so much outrage and so much shit about Cannibal Holocaust. But when you think about it, this is times fucking 100 compared to that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get into some shit in this movie and it's fucking terrible. Um I see now I'm all flustered. Jeez. <laughs> Every time I watch this movie, I forget about how fucking terrible it is. Yeah. And in like a in like a torturous way. And it's it's a good movie. It's Don't hard get to me shock wrong. me. And this shocks me. Yeah. This is the movie that you show somebody if you want to like really make them fucking like vomit. If, right. Yeah, if you want to lose a friend, be like, hey, come over Friday night. I got a great film to show you and then put this on. So you want to hear what makes this even more twisted also? So this was filmed in Harbin, Manchuria. And this is actually where Unit 731 was stationed, oh, right? really? That's where it and was filmed? To, to go one step further, wow. they filmed in the actual headquarters of Unit 731, which is now a school, and apparently the locals, according to Wikipedia and maybe some other things that I, that I couldn't find, some of the locals were taken aback by seeing the Japanese flag on the building again. Oh my god! And it freaked I them bet. out because there were still people that like were around for that time. It's fucking. That's gnarly, dude. That's like going. Let me put it like this, dude. I people. know exactly what you're you gonna say. You haven't seen this yeah. movie. That's like going and filming Schindler's List, but making it an exploitation movie, but actually in a concentration camp. And then putting like, a Nazi flag on that fucking concentration camp again. That's basically terrible. what they did to make this movie. Terrible. Well, I don't know if the Japanese flag would really be. <laughs> well, I'm saying it's as, I mean, I think it's equally oh, like, as heavy oh, like, given, as that. Giving it back, giving it like power again. Yeah, because like just because of the what that building aura. once represented with that symbol, you know, it's this, it's 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 equal 
to that level of evil. And if, if, if you watch this fucking movie, I think you'll easily agree with me that it's evil. Yeah, this, uh, if you're not familiar with Unit 731, if you've ever heard of the experiments that like the Nazis did on um, people in concentration camps, like the medical experiments by Joseph Mengele and all that, this is basically the Japanese version of that. Yeah, and a lot of people thing. don't even know. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know that it happened. But this is a this is like real deal shit. And the stuff that we're gonna talk about from this movie is like legitimate stuff, and it is fucking gruesome. Yeah, it I mean, is. I couldn't imagine somebody like doing this to another human being. As you know, the the Nazis were doing this to uh, to the Jewish population and anybody else that they seemed or deemed unfit. In Europe, these people, I mean, the Japanese were doing it to the Russians, to the to the Chinese. They were doing it to American soldiers. So it, it, it's it's crazy that it's almost swept, not swept under the rug, but overlooked in comparison because some of this shit is fucking nuts. Yeah, and the way that it's portrayed in the movie actually gave this movie a, I guess it's considered a three rating in... Um, Hong Kong, which is basically our NC-17. First one ever, right? Yeah, so That's that awesome. shows how... And this is 1980. I think it came out in 1988 over there. So it's that much. You know, it's late 80s. Tons of stuff has already came out. It's fucking nuts. And you know what's funny? Like, uh, like the government had to okay the movie. Oh yeah. Right? And they were they were all worried about like Japan getting fucking twisted over it. And they did. And yeah, and that was why in the beginning of the movie it says something to the effect of like um friendship is friendship, history is history. Like, oh shit. Yeah, I do <laughs> like, like that we forget about this. Yeah, that's cool. It's legit. It's like, yo, I know we we didn't forget. Like that shit is fucked. And uh, Japan did get, I mean, not the Japanese government. They released the film. They had no problem releasing it. But the Japanese people got super pissed off to the point where the director was getting death threats and shit like that. So it's it's a heated topic. I get it. I mean, when you you make a film that's about a touchy subject and then you do it as graphically as you do here, it's going to set some fires, man. Yeah, especially when... You know, usually you see like the Nazi camp movies are all like sexploitation or it's like goofy shit. It's yeah. very rarely, you know, super gruesome, right? Like a lot of times it's fucking stupid, like fucking SS experiment camp is like the guy getting like his dick fucking transplanted yeah. to somebody else. And like I all dumb I mean, shit. Can you think of, of one on, on topic of that that's as, as hardcore as this one is? I can't that, think of one that the like shows head. all that shows like this much stuff. Yeah, I can't think I, of one. I can't really think of one ever. Yeah, that's what to I'm be saying. Honest. This is its own breed of exploitation film. Hey, if you could, it, this is like if you if you crossed like I don't even know like a goofy war movie like a like a Great Escape mixed with like. Uh, like hostile, yeah, or dude. That's like not, that. No, dude. That that is a great. Yeah, that's a great comparison. Honestly, that that nails the it. way, the way that it's filmed, the sets, all that stuff. It reminded me of The Great Escape. You ever see that movie? Yeah, and dude, it, that's exactly how it feels. It, yeah, everything yeah. feels that way about this film. Only fucking evil. But yeah, and gruesome <laughs> as fuck. It's a fucking. This is a gnarly movie. This is fucking gnarly, dude. <laughs> 
Yeah, so you know what? Let's just let's roll the trailer. You're probably not gonna probably not gonna understand much as you can remember from last week. Uh, and we'll get into this movie. Chi 黑太阳七三一全篇在世界发生的地点拍摄是正立大导演毛尊费耗资千万穷五年的时间呕心沥血的杰作《黑太阳七三一》即将在本院上演。The men, or should I say the man behind the sun? This movie is kind of like a docu drama <laughs> horror exploitation drama? film. I don't know. Uh, so like the synopsis basically there really is no synopsis it's basically we see the ongoings at the unit 731 camp where the japanese are doing experiments on human subjects that's basically the synopsis for the film right yeah. it's you know there's a few characters that are considered main characters Right, you have like the general, like the guy that's in charge, and he's pretty much like a huge piece of shit, right? And the guy that plays him, fucking plays the character perfectly. Oh, but Gang here's the Wang thing: Wang is his name too, and that dude fucking nails it. I love dude. the way he plays. The guy's name is Lieutenant General Shiro Isha, and if you look up this guy in real life, total fucking scumbag. He's yeah, he's a real person. Yeah, that he was like the basically uh, the Surgeon General of Japan. Can I fucking right? sidebar on this motherfucker real quick? Yeah, go for it. All right, dude. So this dude's a piece of shit. He's he's definitely killed well over two hundred thousand plus people, responsible anyways in Japan or in China, I should say, for Japan. So at the end of the war, he gets off because the U.S. makes a deal with this piece of shit. To get all that information that he was doing at unit at this place, so he then in turn starts working for the U.S. government to make biological weapons for us. That's how fucking crazy and backwards the entire planet is. 
that yeah. we liberated these people and all this bullshit, but oh, we're going to take this guy and we're going to let him work for us now because he's a true piece of shit and that's what we need. I just thought that's such a scummy thing. I fucking hate that. Dude, we did that. We did that with the Nazis too. We took all their exactly. good guys, like they're good scientists and stuff. Don't believe the hype. We, we're just as fucking bad. Fucking terrible, man. It's like the the real Legion of Doom, man. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That's a good call. All right, my rant's uh, over about that shit, but fuck that guy. Then there's like the like the underling like guy. He's like the I guess the commander of the youth corps, right? There's a group of what, like, you know, 20 kids. His name right? is Kawasaki. Something like that. Yeah. I like that. And uh, I like how you got these names, man. My I'm man. I'm killing him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's like a piece of shit, right? He's trying to teach them to be pieces of shit also. And the kids, uh, they're kind of like torn, right? Some of them are like all about it. They're all about that life. And others are kind of like, this is fucked up. I don't, I don't want to be here. Dude, <laughs> right? that youth corps makes the movie for me. I love that, that group of kids. What would you say? They're probably like 12 years old around there. Yeah, they're like, I, yeah, I think it's probably 12, 13, you know, right, right at that, like becoming a man stage of, of a young adulthood. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely like maybe eighth grade, ninth grade yeah, around there. Very, very young. And they're going to Unit 731 to basically learn to do what these people are doing, right? Yeah. And Become the ultimate, uh, what were they saying? Like the uh, the ultimate subordinate just to do whatever they need to do blindly and to be okay with all the atrocities that they're about to see and with, uh, you know due to people crazy and then we have some prisoners that are trying to escape and they're kind of like a sub 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 plot of the movie right they're gonna they want to escape and basically tell everybody what's going on here at unit 731 yeah these are all your prisoners of war these are the chinese there's some russians and they refer to these people as the maruta they don't probably roll their R's like a Spanish person. They just say Maruta. <laughs> I just made it a little extra spicy. Maruta. Yeah, ma yeah, ma the Maruta. Yeah. And it basically translates to log. And there's a whole scene where the generals are getting through to this youth corp that these are the building stones to what they're doing. These are the logs, the kindle, the fire, you know? I thought that's just like a weird, just, you know, brainwashing these kids into thinking that you're not even dealing with a human. These are just a fucking stick that you need to burn to to keep the fire burning it, it's crazy shit yeah they make them like beat that guy in the bath oh yeah with those right? clubs dude that's wild yeah brutal they're like trying to turn these kids into fucking animals <laughs> it's twisted it's working and dude. It's, it's crazy yeah shit. and these quote-unquote maruda are the people that they're doing all the tests on right these are basically the people being tortured it's fucking horrible and the kids are being conditioned to be able to carry out these tests and these tortures and all this shit uh and it's the only way i guess they figure they can get them to do it is to indoctrinate them at a young age right so they're bringing them in very young yeah, I mean, and these kids are seeing crazy shit. There's a scene where they're bringing in these fresh prisoners, and there's one, there's a woman who has a baby, and, and the baby's screaming, oh, and of brutal. course, 
the 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 guard of the soldier just like grabs the baby and, and the, the mom is dragged away and they just like toss this baby in the snow and then just start covering it with snow so you can't hear it crying anymore and that's just like what these kids are just supposed to endure and are supposed to be uh, expected to do in that same situation and it and man just I, the whole time you're watching this you're like wow this shit is real and people fucking suck yeah, that's relatively early in the film. And they basically just like, and what makes it even more fucked up is like they kick snow over it. Like yeah. they just kick over, like, like it means nothing. And the one guy says to the other, like, oh, we're, we're supposed to like not waste any of them. And the guy's like, oh, uh, it's not going to waste. We could like stuff and mount it or something <laughs> yeah, like that. It's, it's like, what wild. the fuck? This is twisted shit. So now and, she's the lady, right? That in like a few yes. scenes from now, yes, undergoes what I, I guess they call the um, the the frostbite experiment. I guess that'd be the way to explain it. Yeah, it's like a cold weather endurance experiment, and basically they freeze this woman's arms, like from the shoulders down. They're like held out in front of her. They keep pouring water over her arms and they freeze them to the point where they're actually able to like, if you know what degloving is, you know what degloving is, yeah. uh, they're actually able to like rip her skin off because it's so cold. And then they, you look like you want to say something. Well, I just have to say that like, mind you, they're in like basically the border of Russia and China is where this camp is. I don't know if we said the exact location of it. And so when they're doing that, like they're outside and it looks like the fucking Antarctic. It's just like snow and ice everywhere. And they're just like, this girl's just all out there exposed with her arms. And they're just pouring that water on her. And dude, like you said, that degloving, you said that's real arms. Yeah, that's real oh, corpse God. arms, man. I mean, I don't know if the degloving was, but like the shattering hit when they're hitting it. So after they freeze oh. her. They deglove her arms so there's no more skin, and then they start hitting her arms with like a, like a wood stick or like a club or something, and just start shattering the bone and everything, right? Like just destroying. Oh, them. that was a different dude. That was a different guy who they put in the chamber who had like, they've basically used like liquid nitrogen to f- like flash freeze his arms, and then they hammering his fucking hands off and stuff while he was like conscious and like watching it. That's the thing that fucked me up. Is that these people are having all this done and there's no sedation. There's no like they they wanna they wanna test how you react, your nervous system. That was like the whole thing about it is like seeing how people's nervous systems react to things. Yeah, let's t- you know, let's just talk about the tests that they do on these people. Cause it's it's fucking crazy. With with these kids are watching the whole time, mind you. It's it, that's yeah, the, that's the thing yeah. that gets me. They put this naked uh, guy in a chamber oh, and it's basically a pressure test, right? And they are, are they pulling a vacuum? Yeah, or it's they... a hyperbaric chamber. They're basically pulling a vacuum on this guy. Yeah. So they're pulling a vacuum and eventually he like all his insides just come out and like he's lying there naked and you see his intestines like come out through his ass and they do oh the giant squirt of shit and then like the intestine tentacle comes wiggling oh dude it's 
I don't I want to know how they filmed that because it's it's disgusting but it's beautiful how it's done. I don't know how they could have recreated that shit. It's wild. Yeah. And I couldn't imagine being somebody like being in that situation. That's terrible to do to oh, somebody. Dude. Insane. <sighs> Insane. That's the thing. This these is... doctors are all like, they have these like little looking glasses in the hyperbaric chamber. So they're like watching the dude and they're getting all like excited about what's happening. And I'm like, you sick motherfuckers. Like, this is not. Twisted. Yeah. Like, how is this exciting? We also have a Russian woman and her child in this, uh, this like tank. And they start filling it with gas. And they just watched this woman and her kid basically like choke to death in this uh, gas-filled tank, right? Like insane, and the woman's screaming like, "Please, like, do whatever you want to me. Just let my like child, oh, let my girl scene, go, or dude. whatever. Let my kid go." This is like a, it's an endurance test. This movie, right? It it, it is, and it's kind of weird though. Okay, because like it's shot in thirty-five millimeters, so you're not watching like a low budget movie although the budget wasn't huge on it 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 looks it looks like an old war documentary dude that's and like i love old war shit like that i love any kind of old like documentaries about stuff so it has that like 70s documentary feel so when you're watching it i almost get like lost in the fact that it's not a real documentary that this is like a made-up movie because everything looks graphic and everything feels everything looks real real it looks it looks real it looks real 100% real and it's one of those things where when you're watching it like you get so immersed in it because it looks so real right it's that's exactly what it is for something filmed with such a small budget this is crazy Really That's what crazy. you were saying too that like there wasn't like this huge Chinese fucking special effects market going on at the time in the film industry there. So you didn't have these big, you know, Hollywood studios who can recreate these buckets of blood and all this shit that we're used to. And you would be a to find that shit here because dude, these look better than half of the eighties movies that I've seen as far as the gore is concerned. But yeah, then again, and it's, it's real. Even... So I mean, how can you compete? <laughs> And what's weird, it's not even, like, bloody, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? Like, there's not, like, buckets of blood in this movie. No, But, like, you're seeing real, like, real amounts. Like, what would really happen? And it's the psychological toll that I think the movie takes on you because the whole time you're like, this is a movie about reality. This is, this is, this is, this was life. This, This actually happened to people within somebody's lifetime that can remember this. And that's fucked up man yeah uh one other thing that they do that's also extremely fucked up they basically crucify this whole group of prisoners and they drop basically ceramic bombs on them that are filled with like these fleas that are infected with like a plague with like the bubonic plague so basically what they're trying to do at unit 731 is make like a variation of the bubonic plague that's like a hundred times worse yeah it could wipe out humanity yeah it's like a last ditch effort by the japanese to like turn the war because they're about to lose and i think actually hiroshima and nagasaki are uh bombed 
at the at end, some at, point towards there, the end of this yeah. film there yeah yeah um so that's like kind of the main deal around this compound what they're trying to do now something that's kind of i thought was a kind of a good scene was these bombs that were dropped that were ceramic bombs filled with these mites or fleas whatever they figured out to use the ceramic casings uh by accident right the the general like knocks one of the things over when he's with his like very uh formal geisha i guess yeah. <laughs> formal. and yeah and he's like wearing that like like that underwear thing yeah i don't know what i don't want to call it a diaper that's kind of disrespectful my man but i'm sorry uh, <laughs> fuck this guy uh, all right he's wearing a diaper he did bad things <laughs> but like he knocks over this thing or she knocks it over and like all and it it you know breaks and all the stuff falls out and he gets the idea now the scene that I liked was the next one where he goes in front of like the camp and like they're having their like general meeting and he throws the ceramic things at the ceiling and he says, you've all been infected. You know what I mean? Yeah, like everybody raises his hand who got hit by a piece of the porcelain and like it's half the fucking crowd. And he's like, yeah, now everybody, dude, they all just, and, okay. they start clapping, right? Yeah. And that's what I love is that like, they're all shit fucking petrified of this uh, general Isha dude, because like, you know, there's a scene earlier in the movie where uh, this guy is is heard shit talking this guy because he says that General Isha's water purifier is garbage. So there's a scene where like the general comes in and like pisses in the purifier and then drinks his own purified piss just yeah, to make this yeah, guy look like in an front idiot. Of everybody, <laughs> and it, like he just has this intimidation factor. Because then, like, the next scene is, oh, you find out that that guy who was talking shit just got sent to the front lines, which is a guaranteed death sentence. He ain't coming back. Which I think they do say that he died, right? Later on, they say, like, oh, I regret to inform you that, like, so-and-so has, has, yeah. So they're all terrified of this guy. So when he, even if the idea is stupid or the idea is inhumane or whatever, you're going to go along with it because it's, it's a bullet in your head or it's, you know the next worst thing or whatever so it's 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 crazy to watch that uh that play out throughout the film yeah and hey guess what we haven't even got to the worst of the shit yet yeah honestly so yeah we really (laughs) no we haven't we haven't okay so we were talking about the japanese youth corps right so there's this group of kids and they're always like you know out and about in the compound and they basically meet this mute boy from the local town and they kind of befriend him right they kind of like play with him they throw the ball with him and, and shit he's an innocent and kid. one yeah one day some of the officers are like oh we need like a young boy like a healthy young boy for for something and they eventually talk the kids into bringing the kid the mute well who to does the it? camp it's that piece of shit Kawasaki who talks the kids into doing it. Yes. They yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, they can he could do it. And he's like, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, right? and mind <laughs> you, there's a lot of tension already growing between the youth corp and this leader of them, Mr. Kawasaki, because he's a piece of shit. So they already got tension yeah, there. Yeah, they fucking hate him. 
they actually end up beating the shit out of him. That's what I'm. That's, so, that's the point I was gonna make here is that they they're they're pretty pissed about what's about to happen. So he asks them to bring the kid in for whatever you know. He makes up some reason. They bring the kid in, and they take him basically into this surgical room. They have him get naked. And then they have him lay down, they knock him out, and they basically dissect him while he's alive. Yep. And you see everything. And what they did to film this was they waited for somebody to die that was around the size of the kid in the movie. And they basically filmed his autopsy. It's real. And for the close-ups, yeah, and for the close-ups they used pig intestines. It's it's a hundred percent a fucking real autopsy, but even just the whole premise of like the scene is really hard to swallow, right? And the doctors are fucking so excited, and the idea is why, and the whole thing of why they're so excited is because they were actually able to get the living organs of a boy in puberty, which is like I guess like this rare thing to get these specimens, and they're all just standing around clapping, and they're so happy with one another that they achieved this fucking great thing it's it's hard to watch dude that scene is rough yeah i can't think of any other movie that has you know anything like that i mean besides like traces of death maybe which is another dead alive release funny so and then the person that the main kid that brings this little mute boy to them who has grown like the closest to this mute kid from the youth corps, you know, he's supposed to wait for the kid to come back from this doctor's appointment that they're telling him he's going to and shit. And they basically bring this kid back to him on a cart in pieces to take to the, uh, the incinerary room or whatever. And that's like what, what snaps, like that's the beginning of the end for the youth corps in, in Kawasaki. Like they're out for revenge now. And like Mike said, there's a, cool scene of this youth corps rebelling on their leader and beating the living shit out of him with like two by fours right i mean that's what really uh, I yeah like pieces of wood it is uh, great it that that is like kind of like he got his come up in sort of but yeah. not really because he ends up you know he's fine at the end but uh i wanted him to kill him i mean I, were you not expecting them to, to fucking kill that guy I thought they were gonna kill him. Yeah, I was kind of bummed they were did, going to. To be honest with you, he deserved it. Yeah, for sure. What about that? Uh, can we talk about the fucking guy in the fucking incinerator room? Oh, the, the old, like, old Japanese <laughs> guy, like <laughs> where, like just it, it looks like something if you've ever seen like fucking splatter house. Yes. That's what the room looks like. Just like body parts and bodies, that like literal fucking hell. Something out of Doom. I watched that and I was like, that was Mike when he worked at the funeral. <laughs> He's in there clapping and whistling like fucking happy twos, just doing this like morbid job. <laughs> uh, it's man. Every, it's almost like dark humor, right? Cause he's like a drunk. Right, yeah, isn't he all drunk down there, like falling all over? Himself I had a dilemma and... with that character because of that. It's like he's lovable, but he's doing such a fucking horrible thing. But he has this like great personality, <laughs> and he's like just this really fun character. But he's burning body parts at the same time in a fucking concentration camp. So you can't you can't love him. It's 
There's a lot of dynamic to that character. It's crazy to think about. Yeah, he's almost like uh, the caretaker of the cemetery in Friday the 13th Part 6. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, that's that's exactly... Right? You like, want to you, you, you love him, but you can't love him. Yeah, because he covered that shit up and didn't say anything. And then, like, he basically caused everybody to get killed. But, uh... Shit. Yeah, yeah. So, uh... Speaking of uh, pieces of shit, let's go to the meat grinder. The meat grinder. Okay, so I didn't find it very hard to make a song about this movie. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dark. Subject. It's pretty fucked up. Yeah, it actually fits the genre of music pretty well, right? I would say it goes hand in hand with this with this stuff. <laughs> So, let's hit the music. of this thing you're like the uh, what is this, this? The South seven? Park music production right now you're doing one a week get it done in seven days yeah yeah i think this is the seventh one i've done right yeah, is dude, that possible almost an album how much do, how many do i need to make an album 20 damn that's <laughs> a lot <laughs> i mean the that's songs are grindcore songs dude like a minute long you know give it hit take. me up if you want if you maybe if you finish your shit i can do a fucking split with you <laughs> but you, <laughs> You know, I, mean, I don't know what you're doing. I got, Let's I got go. Shit going on. Jeez, I, I gotta wait another 13 weeks Master after this. Master procrastinator, yeah. 13 weeks, damn. Yikes. That's a long time, baby. Let's Actually, not really. January, around there. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll we we gotta figure that one out. All right. So, Grizz. When was the first time you heard about this movie or how did you hear about this and why did it take you so long to watch it? So, I mean, I I don't know what, what took me so long to watch it. I had heard about it for a few years now. Uh, this is something that's, it, it kind of flies under the radar, I think, because people don't, I mean, you'll hear, you know, men behind the sun and stuff like that. But people don't talk about it being like this crazy, over-the-top, you know, horror, gore, not horror, but just like gore flick or whatever. And I guess for like good reason, because you can't really go into it feeling that way. It's You shouldn't feel like it's enjoyable. It should feel nasty and, you know, like bad. But uh, I, I don't know why it took me so long to, to watch it. This was the first time I've seen it was this, this time that I watched it this week. 
and I just completely am enamored with it. I, I, I can't get enough of this film. I can't wait to watch the entire fucking, uh, what are they called? Movies in a line, See, sequels, this, those things. Franchise. <laughs> watch the whole franchise. That's the one, those yeah. franchisers. So I've known about this movie for quite some time. Actually, I think I may have read about this on uh, like semi, not early internet, but like a while ago where like there was, you know, only a handful of websites out there where you could find like horror information, especially like fucking weird horror stuff. Uh, I saw this and I found I found it online, actually, when I first saw it. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is a fucking gnarly movie. It is everything that I, you know, it was pre-Wikipedia and all that stuff. So, like, you kind of only had an idea of what the movie was about. But when I saw this dude, I couldn't believe it. It's it's a fucking wild movie to okay, watch. Okay, that's a great point, Mike. Like, imagine seeing this in, like, 1990. You don't have the internet. You don't have any resources. And you don't know what the fuck this film is, where it comes from. You'd have a hard time believing that what you watched was not 100% a documentary about the fucking war. <laughs> Imagine this playing on PBS or something. Dude, and that's the thing that I was wondering. And I'm like, where is this playing? Because this the US release of this is 1989. Where the fuck are you seeing this in 1989 in, in the US? 42nd Street, baby. Is that the spot? Is <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely a midnight showing. It was a skid that's row, for sure. Huh? Yeah, because I think the let's see, the Dead Alive release of this 1996. And this would have been the first US release, right? Well, it says the first US release is 89. Is when it was well, on tape. I'm on saying tape. on tape. Yeah, probably on tape, yeah. So then, yeah, maybe like drive like a drive-in type deal. You know, midnight showings. Grindhouse type shit. Yeah, because this definitely wasn't playing at your local uh, <laughs> your you know, Loge movie theater. <laughs> oh, oh, honey, Men Behind the Sun, a war film. Let's go. Let's go see what this is about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because not only like is it a foreign film, but it's a foreign exploitation that is super fucked up film yeah you know it's like here uh you want to play this movie that we're distributing it's like oh what's it about it's a history movie <laughs> yeah it, <laughs> it's a war movie and, and, and mao really just went fucking balls to the wall i think i i think Tunfei Mao's point in making this film the way that he did was that he wanted it to be as as gruesome as he could possibly get away with making it to make people feel the way they should about the topic. I think that he kind of went into it with like a, an artistic point of view, but holy shit, is it gory. And like you said, not buckets of blood, but just like mentally fucking hard to watch gory. Well, here's the whole thing. Like, you know, if you show what really happened, it makes it that much more effective sometimes. Yeah. If you can do it right. And by right, I mean he was using real dead bodies and body parts and stuff. So <laughs> it doesn't look cheesy at all. Speaking of real, we should probably touch on a very controversial aspect of this film. 
the animal cruelty. Yes. Yes. So not only do they desecrate the body of a child, basically, but they also kill multiple animals, if not hundreds of animals. I think it's hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one that you see is we're watching it right now. It is. Yeah. A pen, a pen of rats basically eating a cat uh it's it's really fucking hard to watch oh, but god uh the director said that it was fake i definitely do not believe that well at the same time the director said it was fake i think to save his own ass people on the production crew themselves have come out and said that that cat was 100% alive and real when it went into those rats so yeah yeah it's there's no and if you watch it man there's no way you're faking that it's it's fucking barbaric yeah and And then the whole i guess one second like the whole point of that i guess that they were trying to get across with this scene because i do understand you know what the idea of it was was to get across that you know the the cat is mighty and could kill a, a rat but when outnumbered by a hundred rats that it will easily kill the cat without any issue and that's the idea of like the plague being this little small thing but it could easily take over the entire planet if given the opportunity it's just yeah such a hard way to get that idea across to people man fuck yeah and if that wasn't enough, a little bit later on, they end up lighting the whole pen of rats on fire. And that is real. They didn't. That's no special effect. Yeah, that's uh, dude there. And it's just like hundreds of rats on fire running around trying to, to save themselves. It's another very, very hard scene to watch. Apparently, the locals enjoyed that. Oh, dude, I'm sure they fucking love that. The smell had to be <laughs> horrific. No, no, they really did. The farmers were like, oh, thank you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. too. <laughs> but Crazy. the thing of it is, is that like in reality, when that happened during World War Two, what a bad idea to burn hundreds of rats that are infected with the bubonic plague. Like that's like the, worst what the fucking happened. Fucking idea ever. I mean, I they didn't they didn't have return of the living dead to show them how it's that's true they didn't, yeah, they didn't to do that, that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so what's funny is if you compare this movie to other movies of 1989 and i'm not saying just like how good they are just in general how they look right like just the general aesthetic of the movie so let me let me go through a, a few of these and we'll see like the varying degrees of uh quality i guess you i like say, this all right? right so we obviously have things like things right which are super low budget but we're gonna talk about more 35 millimeter type stuff right now okay yeah so you have 976 evil 1989 right very it's kind of you know it's a mainstream movie that would have been at your local uh mall movie theater okay so to me that borders on like good quality regular studio movie and tv movie yeah 
It's it to me that looks like something you would see. You know, it looks like it's 1989. It doesn't look like this, where this looks like it's 1984. Maybe it had some glimpses of uh, you know quality, but it it looks a lot older than it really is to me. I would say this would even looks like like a 1970s film to me. That's really, really yeah, that's, like, that's really where I would put this one. Yeah, I could see that also. So we also have things like The Dead Next Door, which that's what shot on 16 millimeter. And the quality is uh, is only slightly under this. Yeah, it's comparable, <laughs> I think. I Honestly, I think that that's a pretty way different subjects matters, way different approach to filming. But quality, I think they're almost on par. Which is pretty crazy because that's a 16 mil and this is 35. Now you also have Friday the 13th Part 8. Jason takes Manhattan. Yeah. Mainstream that's... movie, highly polished. Yeah. Right. It looks total, totally like safe. Polished. Franchise totally safe, totally neutered by that point. Right. Oh. Did you watch something like this and this is like some real hardcore shit? Yeah. I mean, those Damn. those are just two night and day movies and the. I obviously I don't think people would much more enjoy this one in comparison to the to Friday the 13th movie but this I think is just a way better story than anything that you could honestly come up with in imagination sometimes reality is just better than anything people can uh could, could write down yep sometimes reality is fucking more fucked up than uh fiction right yeah that's it we also have something that i think is actually kind of similarly on par with this intruder i feel like intruder is like just slightly better than this yeah it looks right it looks looks very similar i I think that if like intruder was filmed in like this like the i don't know maybe 81 82 that's exactly how this film looks to me It, it just looks dated this this just really it looks like a lot of the war films that I've seen from the late seventies. Yeah. I don't know why it looks so dated. Kind of like the suckling. The suckling has the same problem as this, where it looks very dated. Very dated. Um, Slime city. Also another thing that looks very dated. I wonder what, what, what quality that is. I mean, I think the reason why this one looks very dated, I think it's because of the time period um, that they're portraying. So a lot of like the color choices and a lot of the, the, the lighting is very dull and the subject matter is grim so speaking of which dude how did you like those wood scenes with the fucking like just rows of trees in the the middle of china i that was one of the fucking coolest backdrops snow and everything yeah dude it was just so cool just like trees for miles because like that kid just goes running it looks like he just has to run for fucking ever through those trees yeah it looks like a like a fucking mortal combat Fucking yeah, zone, right? uh, I expected like a bot to come out and fucking crab walk and start singing about like Nordic yeah. Frost and shit. Yeah, fucking Scorpion's gonna come out and fucking hit you with the goddamn uh <laughs> get over here. Yeah. <laughs> fucking crazy. What would you say is like the worst thing out of all these? What like to you would be like the most offensive, the most fucked up, the most nasty November thing out of all these? boy man there is so much to choose from in this film i mean the degloving i think is like probably like gore wise one of like 
if you really stop and think about it because she's just you know physically has to endure this and react to everything i think is the hardest but the child the whole child autopsy thing that just fucking hits me so hard dude front to back there's so much about that that's cringy and just not fun yeah and also the the woman that gets degloved and then actually they they do break her arms off oh yeah 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 i just meant the dude yeah. that gets his arms frozen and shit was a different person um so for the rest of the movie you see she's like missing the bottom parts of her arms oh she's with those like, like from the elbows down nubs that she has yeah oh, twisted i would i would have to agree it's either uh between that and like the cat yeah, that I don't know why that. I couldn't even watch it, dude. You know what? Like in Cannibal Holocaust, like they killed the turtle and they and they ate it. In this, they literally just killed the cat for the movie. That's a great point. You know what I mean? Every animal that they killed in Cannibal Holocaust was eaten by people, either by the crew or by the tribe people that they were working with. Nobody ate that fucking cat. Nobody ate those yeah. rats that they barbecued. That's just. Yeah. It was, dude. <laughs> just wasteful. <laughs> oh man, they, they're never making a movie like this ever no, again. You would never sure. be able to, and that's the thing. And these were like, uh, and that's why I'm almost interested to see the difference and how this uh, this franchise plays out because they go from being here in '88 all the way to the mid '90s of when they were being made. And I want to see if they had to pull back a little bit as time went on, or if they hold up to this uh, original film. You know, I feel like movies from that area of the world, even in the 90s, were still like fucking going above Pushing and beyond. It. Yeah. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy shit. If you'd like it, like the Japanese tapes and stuff. Oh, from man, that they time. go hard. Yeah, I love it. I love it. If you don't mind subtitles. I mean, this this is dubbed. I, I think I've seen a subtitled version of there this is. movie. Too. Yeah, the original is subtitled. Yeah, uh, the dead alive that I have is dubbed. How do you like the uh, dub? I, I love it, dude. I think it's a, such a, a comic. It adds a little bit of like comic relief to it. So I'm a fan of the Godzilla series, and not as like a like a joke, like oh, it's so goofy. Like I legitimately like the movies. I was gonna say that too. Um, this reminds me of like the '85 to current type stuff. Where, you know, the dub is pretty accurate. It's not like goofy. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's questionable at times. But it never once does it make me go like, you know, I can't watch this. You no, know, it's just not like unwatchable. I, I think it actually adds to it. I don't, I, I'm sure watching it with subtitles would be fine, but I enjoy the dub in this a lot. You know what's funny about like dubbed movies to me? So I have no problem watching things with subtitles. That doesn't bother me at all. Right. Um, I don't mind the dubs. You know, that doesn't bother me at all either because I, I don't understand what they're saying in their native language. I'm not trying to be a fucking, you know, a perfectionist or, you know, uh, an elitist. Just let me watch the movie. Now, here's the thing. When you're watching a movie from a non-English speaking country... And then they dub English over it. It always is completely mismatched. You know what I mean? Like the mouth never matches never. up with. But here's the thing. Now, when you watch a movie and it's an English movie and the mouth slightly is off. 
Ugh. It will bother you the whole time. Oh, dude, I can't do it. I, it's it's once I notice it, it's it. I'll fucking notice it the yep. rest of the time I'm watching it. But like, if you're watching Fulci movies and like Japanese or Chinese yeah, or it's movies, a pass. you it's know, expected. It's it's crazy how like that doesn't bother like that uh, that like subconscious thing you have. That's like, so true. Where, I never thought about it before, but dude, you're, it's nail on, nail on the head on that shit because that's exactly what I do. If I notice so that weird. English is off, I'm fucking on it. Yeah. So yeah, the dub on this one is is actually pretty good. I definitely would say watch the dub. You don't have to try to track down the the subtitled version. I don't know. No, right? it's it's like, enjoyable. I I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It's a heavy movie. It's definitely got its uh, like really serious points, and then it has some stuff that's pretty funny, lighthearted, black humor type shit. Now let's talk about the ending. Right, because there is an ending. Technically, there is yep. an ending to this. Now the war is basically over. The Japanese basically are about to give up, and they are gonna try to decide if they should have everybody just poison themselves and their families, right? Like just kill themselves. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean that was uh, what's his name? That was fucking uh, Isha's initial orders was to destroy everything, destroy all the evidence, and once that's done, suicide for everybody. Yeah, everybody kills themselves. The old fucking heaven's and gate exit. They're all kind of like, eh, I don't know. We're all kind of smart and important. We sh- we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, like how that guy talked about it. That was pretty funny. Yeah. So they all decide they're going to leave, right? So they're all waiting for trains and stuff. They're leaving the camp at the end. And they're trying to, uh, you know, they're trying. Some, some of them are trying to smuggle some of the prisoners out, right? And it's one of the, I think it's one of the guys that, uh, is trying to, what's it called? Like get, get the info out. Right. Yeah. He's is like, one he, wants to, he wants the evidence to be shown what actually was going on at this camp. He was one of the prisoners. Yeah. Well, anyway, they get caught, right? Mm-hmm. The kid gets shot, right? They shoot the kid. And then the guy gets stabbed in the neck with a Japanese flag. Oh, it's crazy, dude. I forgot about that scene. Oh, man. Then you see, like, the flag. It's covered in blood, right? And it's, it's like, sticking shit. out of his neck. Because, like, you get this cool point of view shot of, like, the flag going into his fucking neck. And it's, like, sticking there. And there's all this blood. And, dude, that, that shit got me. That shit was crazy. And then you basically have the end. That's, like, the end of the movie. Everybody gets away. There, they, there's they no resolution the and they fucking they right go. and they actually have like a crawl at the end and basically tell tell you it tells you that everybody gets away with it it's fucking crazy it's it's really like a, a super i guess you could say it's like a downer ending but uh i don't know i don't know what to call it it's almost neutral but still just wants to make you feel bad so Grizz, why don't we uh, why don't we get to the chase scale? I like it. The cinematic hell appreciation scale of excellence. All right, Grizz, what do you give this movie, and what are your final thoughts on this nasty November pick? 
So this movie, in my opinion, is a very top-of-the-line film that if you can stomach things that are a little grittier, that have some touchy subject matter, I think this needs to be on your, your number one watch list. The overall rating I would give it would probably be like a 4.8, 4.9. I would even almost consider a 5 on this in this genre of film in this like kind of like you know spectrum of things it's an amazing thing to watch and to understand that this is shit that people were capable of and that are still capable of i think more people should watch things like this and to realize that you know bad fucking people exist man so like don't be fucking shitty <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is a borderline watching a Traces of Death slash Faces of Death movie. Uh, it's factually accurate, technically, I guess. Uh, it's really something else. If you want to make somebody sick, make them watch this movie. They'll fucking hate you. This is like a real, like a, a nasty November Hall of Famer, I would say. Yeah. I would I would give this a four point nine. Hell yeah! Uh, on the chase scale, this is a must own. You have to you know buy the DVD if you could find it. But if if they ever came out with a Blu-ray, I I have no fucking clue. I, I would say definitely did. try to try to own this movie. Try to th this is a cool one. I have the tape. It's you know it's the tape <laughs> because it's fictionally accurate the movie is important not yeah it's great it's nasty november and shit but it's a fucking really important film and it's it's you definitely fucking own it like mike just said find it buy it watch all of them so like i was yeah. saying before now that like you know the whole thing that's going on with the plague rats and shit how cool is the idea of all of these motherfuckers getting on a train and spreading the plague to one another is I have to watch the third one. It sounds yeah, so fucking I have good. To, I have to find that. Jesus Christ, I need that. <laughs> um, so why don't we head over to Porno Corno and the video Dropbox? Lately, I've been having these fantasies. Hello, loyal listeners. Welcome back to another distasteful episode of Porno Corno. This week, we are reviewing a more straightforward adult classic from Arrow Films and Video, 1978's Please Please Me. A tale all too familiar where a married woman, in this case, has become frustrated with her partner and explores new fantasies with other warm bodies. Our main character, Mary, played by Angela Hayes, while credited as Erica Strauss, is also seen in other adult wonders, such as 1976's Spirit of 76 as Fair Away, and Devil's Playground as Angie Dix. This week, as a test of support for Porno Corno fans, we ask that any listeners who may have Aero Films and Video VHS releases and are interested in trades or sales, get in touch with Bad Taste Video, who will contact our management here at Porno Corno. Please Please Me plays through lovely scenes of pleasure with soothing music and simple set design. For those familiar with the crazy hot matrix, we here at Porno Corno use the comical wank matrix, and this one is heavily indexed on the wank end. 
To speak a little about the VHS, as with all Arrow Films releases, color scheme and design are both top notch. With this release using a pleasure in brown and orange mash to surround the high quality bubble bath and wine imagery. The back of the box gives the viewer four languages to choose from on the summary. While our tastes are international, our language skills are not. So the English summary is as follows. When aboard, attractive housewife's sexual frustrations cannot be satisfied by her non-creative husband, she resorts to an affair with her girlfriend, then jumps into bed to have an affair with her college flame. See how they all merge into a glorious joint climax in resounding color. We cannot rate this much more than a three out of five this week. While you might pop a stiff and relieve yourself to please please me, you are unlikely to revisit before this one has to go to the video drop box. That's all folks, treat them sleazy. Okay, the next film that we will be doing in Nasty November was something that Grizz actually mentioned that he wanted to do. And I was like, hell yeah, dude, I would love to do something at least related technically to Todd Sheets, right? I just want to watch this movie too, because you've told me so much about it and I haven't had a chance to see it yet. So I figured this was a good opportunity and a good excuse. So you may have heard of Zombie Rampage, right? You can go back, listen to our episode on that if you want to. Actually, you know what? Go back and listen to that right now. It's a lot of fun. So you can get ready for 1997's Vampire Holocaust. And you're going to say, why the fuck would I have to watch 1989's Zombie Rampage by Todd Sheets <laughs> to watch 1997's Vampire Holocaust by Shane Hatfield. Well, well, you know what? You know what? This is a fucking remake. Vampire Holocaust is a remake of Zombie Rampage. So is it a and remake or a reimagining? No, it's a remake, man, with a little bit of a little different. Just a Just little slight dude. Yeah, like dialogue is mostly the same. I love it. You know, it's the cast is different, but the character names and shit are the same. It's still Todd Sheets as the writer, according to IMDb, but everybody else is different. Let if if he just took like Todd Sheets' script and was like, let's fucking roll with this bit. <laughs> I think this is Todd Sheets' buddy because. Uh, you know, the people that are in the movie were all in other Todd Sheets films. I love it. That's cool as fuck. So, I cannot uh, wait to cover this shit. I doubt that there's a trailer. If there is one, I'll put it here. If not, I'll put in something else. Yeah. And then we'll talk a little bit more about it. 
Once again, foolish friends, Freddy Krueger is on your phone. Dial this number now. I've got some tales to tell. Freddy's favorite bedtime stories. <laughs> Dead time stories. All brand new, straight from my boiler room to your home. It's Freddy Krueger on your phone. So dial this number now if you dare. Tell them Freddy sent you. $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Children, get your parents' permission before you dial. Yeah, I'm really I'm really pumped to watch Zombie Rampage again along with this movie. I was going to say, I have to watch the other one for sure. I love that movie. Another fucking great release that, uh, you know, classic VHS release. Uh, Vampire Holocaust, good luck finding a copy. I, I somehow managed to get one for a very good price uh, a while back. And I am very happy that I own this one. Uh, Grizz, anything else you want to talk about, say about this movie? I haven't seen it, so I just want to say that I'm equally as excited as I hope everybody else is to fucking watch this shit and hear about it. Because if you're a Todd Sheets fan, you can uh, only imagine the fun that you can expect from his crew. Yeah, I can't wait to plow through Nasty November oh, with this... Todd Sheets uh, remake. I'm fucking pumped. Seriously, I love this shit. <laughs> I'm fucking jacked. <laughs> I'm fucking jacked up. All I'm right, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's head over to uh, Wide World of Gore, yeah. where you may be speaking about something related to the movie we spoke about this week. Double whammy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Wide World of Gore. This week, I figured I would do something a little bit different for everybody. We uh, usually cover a, a different movie of uh, from all over the world. I'm going to follow up this episode by doing Laboratory of the Devil, Maruta 2, which is the follow-up to the movie that we had just discussed here on this episode, which was Men Behind the Sun. Unfortunately, my praise for this one is not as great as it was for Men Behind the Sun. Uh, this is Godfrey Ho, who is a legendary uh, director who is known for just all kinds of crazy shit. A lot of ninja movies. If you're a ninja fan, you 100% know who this guy is. His films usually have a lot of gore, a lot of cool you know, stunts and stuff like that. So I could see why he would want to take this film on. Unfortunately, I think that he just highlighted too much of the exploitation aspects that the first film had and left out a lot of the feeling and a lot of the, the gr I, I can't say grip because this movie is definitely gory. It, it's probably almost more so than the, the men behind the sun, but it leaves out just a lot of feeling that I had when I watched the, uh, the first one. So Godfrey Ho made this one, like I said, this one is basically the same movie in a sense where it tells the same story as Men Behind the Sun, but this is told from a different perspective. This is told from a doctor who is uh, now at this, who has been sent to this camp to work. He is absolutely disgusted as to what's going on. This is Unit 731. If you just heard in this episode, it's, you know, this place where it's a concentration camp of sorts where they do biological and human experiments of just the most disturbing things that you could ever wrap your brain around. The doctor, he does not like what he's seeing at all. 
His wife shows up. She, in turn, also fucking hates what's going on. So they had this whole plot to... Uh, and his wife shows up like incognito as like one of the prisoners and shit because they have this plan that they're going to liberate this camp, which, you know, it's it's kind of just a weird story where it I, I kind of like the first one because it's it feels real. It feels like a documentary. Like I said in, in this episode, it just has this uh, this underlying feeling of, of dread and I left feeling remorseful from it. This one here felt like a drama movie. This one kind of felt like uh, it, it, it felt more like a real movie in a sense where I didn't come away from it feeling uh, the same emotions as I did from from Men Behind the Sun. The gore is absolutely ramped up, which I think only takes away from it in a sense. A lot of the uh, the gore gags and stuff, well, I mean, not even the gore gags, but just the, the scenes that are very extreme in this movie are repeated. From the first one, you get the freezing limbs, you get the, uh, you know, the different kinds of tortures that you would see in the first one, but they just kind of like went over the top with it. And it, in my opinion, the first one nails it. It, it gives you what you need, but it also has enough restraint uh, and, and even, you know, pushing that boundary a little bit. This one just kind of just blows the boundary over and it, it it takes those same gags and it just turns them up to 11. And I think maybe because I had already seen this first one that I was already kind of desensitized to it. I just was really hoping for that same feeling of Men Behind the Sun. And unfortunately, Laboratory of the Devil did not deliver that for me. The version that I watched here is the 1996 release on, of course, one of my favorite Dead Alive productions. Uh, which they also released the first movie, Men Behind the Sun. Like me and Mike had just said, we are out to find the other two, and hopefully they deliver a little bit more than what this one did for me. I do know the original director does come back for part... F I think it was part four, but don't quote me on that. We'll have to listen back in here. So yeah, overall, not... I guess if I didn't see the first one, not a horrible movie, but I was extremely let down by this. Uh, this was 1992 Godfrey Ho's take on the Unit 731 incident that happened uh, in World War II. And unfortunately, a little bit of a stinker. This was Maruta 2, Laboratory of the Devil. Okay, uh, I think that just about wraps it up, right? Uh, time to mosey on into the sunset out to if we were if we were like ek and, and laser graves out there we could say that Desperado. yeah they live out in the desert so you can like go ride your fucking your horse into the sunset that's pretty cool i just think of john carpenter's yeah, vampires i feel like he lives in like that town right? <laughs> i'm pretty sure like fucking he is a vampire to be honest with you you see that hat he looks younger than me I know he's fucking. He's out there skateboarding today. I told him he's gonna play hip. Yeah, go go over to the Laser Graves Instagram and ask Ek to show you how to kickflip. Give him yeah, a show, ask him to show you how to kick uh, kickflip. All right. So yeah, Ernie Keegan, we're yeah, on to you. Uh, Eck, right? Eck. <laughs> so wherever you're listening to us, please uh, give us five stars, rate, review, leave us a, a nice message, please. Helps us out a lot. Uh, visit us at our website, 
which we probably should do more with, but it has everything that we do linked there, www.badtastevideo.com. Grizz, where could they find you on Instagram? You can find me at Kane underscore enabler. And you can find me at Bad Taste Video. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, concerns, let us know. If you have something you want to suggest that we do, you could also do that. You can uh, help us out if you want and subscribe to our Patreon. We're going to start putting some more stuff up. We've been curating uh, certain podcasts for that. We're doing something pretty special. Uh, if you like wrestling, we're probably going to start putting those up pretty soon. Uh, that just about wraps it up, I would say, right? Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you next week where we will be rejoined by Anthony and we shall be watching Vampire Holocaust. All right. See you later.